Hello and welcome. Thank you for joining me on First Responder Psychological Support. This is Season 1, Episode 5, and this is just going to be a brief introduction about mindfulness. My name is Sarah Gura, and I have a master's degree in counseling psychology. I'm a licensed clinical professional counselor in the state of Illinois. I'm an EMDR therapist and a yoga teacher. My private practice is the self-care path in Burridge, Illinois, where I treat first responders. And again, today's topic is about mindfulness. Uh, but first and always, I would love to keep introducing this idea that we need to transition in between activities, that it's important to ground yourself in some way in between all the different things that you do in a day. So take a nice deep breath in, expanding the chest, and on the exhale, if you can, maybe just close your eyes and pull those shoulders down and away from the ears, straighten up your spine, and just allow yourself to get comfortable. And I want to start by saying how important it is to know thyself. It's important to start noticing yourself so that you become more self-aware, so that you can recognize the felt sense in your body, which is what teaches you and provides you with all this wisdom about yourself and about how you exist. It's about your life. Um, knowing yourself is the beginning of all wisdom, though. And if you know yourself, you're, you don't get as disturbed by what others think or do. And I think that that's pretty significantly important when it comes to coping in this particular existence. And I want to start by encouraging you to think about your mind. And I want you to think about your mind right now as a skyscraper. And maybe to get started, just picture a skyscraper that represents you and your mind if it's a cabin structure, great. If it's more of a city structure, awesome. If you want to put it in the city, on an island, in the desert, maybe out in the Caribbean, whatever it is and wherever it's at, I just want you to picture it as yours. And the only condition that I have is that it goes so high up, it has so many floors that you can't see the top of it. So it's going to go right through the clouds. And I want you to go into the first floor of your mind. So go through that first floor door. And I want you to take a look what, at what's on the first floor of your mind. Maybe imagine your food, your water, your shelter, your talents and skills, which allow you to go to work and make you money. Maybe imagine your friends and your family and important people that you love in your life. These are all the basic things, right, that make a quality life or give you some foundation to a quality life. And it has to be maintained and sustained. That's the first level of your mind. And then I want you to consider going into the basement of your mind. Uh, whether you want to teleport there, take the elevator, the stairs, an escalator, whatever it is, just head down to the basement of your mind and maybe think of that as all 
the past, your memories, your childhood, any depression, anxiety, trauma symptoms, or bad memories, and just notice what would be down there in the basement of your mind. And realize, of course, that this is one of the major foundations to who you are, right? And it's certainly the foundation or the basement structure of your mind. And then go ahead and come back up to the first floor and realize that this is how a lot of first responders come into therapy. They're having a first floor day, they're having a basement day. They have a first floor day, they have a basement day. And they go back and forth between these two floors And I ask you right now, what's on the second floor of your mind? I don't know. That's something that you're going to have to choose to be there. And what's on the 10th floor of your mind or the 100th floor or the 1,000th floor of your mind? And oftentimes people have never thought of it like that before, so they're not entirely sure. But I want you to maybe set your timer later and set it for five minutes and do this meditation where you just explore the different levels of your mind. Uh, A lot of times people think that a therapist is going to give them something. And if I had the answer to everyone's problem or conflict, if I had something to give you, I like to joke that I would be more popular and I would make more money. People would be lined up outside my home here or wherever I'm teaching for that day, or outside my office, if I had something extraordinary to give you that would make your life better. The truth is, is I don't, and no therapist does either. But if I were to explain my role as a therapist with others, I would say that I'm more like a flashlight, that I can show you what you can do. You know, if you want to lose weight, here's a flashlight on that part of your mind. If you want to have a better marriage, if you want to make more money, if you want to pass that lieutenant's exam, if you, you know, want any particular thing in your life, it's probably achievable. And it's just up to what you allow yourself to have and what you allow yourself to do. And again, as a therapist, I'm, you know, flashing a light on some of these ways that you can cope or change so that you can become more of the person that you expected yourself to be. And that's such a relief. And for the most part, you know, people don't come in saying, I want to be a millionaire. They come in saying, I want to be loved. I want to be appreciated. I want to be held on a bad day. Uh, It's the simple things in life. They want things to go more smoothly and they don't want pain and suffering. But again, I really want to encourage you to understand that you have everything that you need to succeed. And when it comes to mindfulness, it's really about understanding how the head and heart knowledge work together. So I'm going to move into explaining what I mean by that. In my mind, we have two sources of knowledge. Uh, We have the head or the ego, the brain, and then we have the heart, which is your intuition, your gut, your truth, your integrity. And I know 
when we introduce ourselves, when a human being introduces themselves to someone else, they're going to touch, if they're going to touch anywhere, their chest area. They're going to put their hand over their heart and they'll say, hi, my name is Sarah, or hi, I'm so-and-so, right? They're not going to smack their forehead and say, hi, I'm Sarah, Uh, because we know that we are not our brain. We know that we are not that organ that sits in our skull. It's deeper than that. And so we place our hand on our chest and we acknowledge our existence and our identity or who we are. And you have a mind and you have a body. And in my mind, the relationship that is healthy and connected between the head and heart is a very spiritual thing. Now, if you're not into spirituality, you can back out of that part of this conversation and the other information will still be relevant. But a lot of your problems and your conflicts will be evidenced in the conflict between the head and the heart. And a lot of first responders will say, man, I should stop listening to my heart and I got to start listening to my head. And that's so inaccurate, right? That's such a myth or a misunderstanding of how a human being works. Um, The felt sense in your body is the truest wisdom. When you move into the stillness of who you are, when you move into the truth of who you are, that is the felt sense in your heart or in your body. It is not ever going to be this comfortable felt sense in your brain. Because once again, my at least my head, and when I'm looking at you know other people's uh, brains and how they think and what their cognitions are doing, that's the organ or that's the thing that causes thinking errors, negative cognitions, misunderstandings. That's the problem and conflict source, right? That's the root of it all. But when we turn inward and introspectively notice our problems and become more self-aware and we start to recognize what's really going on within us, we understand, again, that our heart knowledge is the bottom line. And I know that first responders are pretty bottom line types of people. So you're going to have to get really in touch with the felt sense in your body. And to describe what the felt sense is, I'm going to describe the journey to recognizing it in case you've been ignoring it for too long. Maybe you've numbed it out. Maybe you have minimized it. And what it is, is when you state a negative cognition about yourself, especially like I don't deserve love, for example, or whatever it is you tell yourself, I'm a bad person. I'm not good enough. I have to be perfect. Any one of those negative cognitions is going to lead you to a feeling. So if you say, I'm not good enough, which is the sentence I don't like, right? And I'll, I'll use that as an example throughout this podcast. But when I hear I'm not good enough, that's the negative cognition. It causes feelings of upset, sadness, anger. And if I close my eyes and I just scan myself from head to toe, I can feel I'm not good enough in my core. It's a sentence that makes me upset. 
And that sensation in my core could be tingling, it could be pressure, it could be a pinch or a pain or a heaviness, even in in my body. And now what I've done is I've started to recognize the felt sense of that experience of thinking I'm not good enough. And when I have that felt sense in my body, that icky feeling is a communication that comes directly back to the head and the heart. And what that's doing is it's not trying to punish me. It's trying to align my head and heart knowledge to realize that that negative cognition of I'm not good enough is a thinking error. My body does not want to accept it. And it's encouraging me to tune in and realize that that's not a truth, that in fact, I am good enough. And the, the, when you hang up on something that is a lie, once again, the body's going to send an alarm. And sometimes what happens with first responders is they have that thought and they start to ignore it at that moment. They may shut off their feelings and then the communication doesn't settle into their bodies. Or if it does, they completely, again, want to ignore it, numb it, deny it, minimize it. And they let that thought sit there in their subconscious and the ego is going to have to defend itself because of that. So when we get a defensive ego, we start to see the personality uh, in its hurt stage, let's say. So what's really important and something that we'll be talking about again throughout the podcast is how do we line up the head and heart? How do we line up those two sources of knowledge so that when the heart communicates, I'm good enough, the head knowledge or the ego in the brain communicates back I am good enough. I agree. Because again, when it's in conflict, it sends a message into your body that is not comfortable. And it sends that message for a reason. So the other thing that we have to understand that we're up against when we're trying to become mindful is how we think about time. So time and mental health are very relevant. So let's start with understanding the past. The past does not exist. How do I know it doesn't exist? Because I cannot even get to a second ago. No matter how much I try, I can never get to a second ago or to the beginning of this podcast. Moments expire rapidly. But I can use my imagination to do an activity called remembering. And if I remember, 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 and I stay in that state of remembering the past, the mind is wired to send you a little dose of depression. So to me, this is where depression is born. Even if you are having nostalgic thoughts and you keep thinking about that nostalgic memory, your brain once again is wired to give you a little dose of depression, again, not to punish you, but to say, hey, man, you're in the wrong time zone. (laughs) Get into the now, all right? So we don't want to stay in the past. That's an unwise thing to do. So what about the future? The future also does not exist. How do I know that? Because when I get to tomorrow, it's called today. And when I get to the next second, it's called right now. It's now. 
So even if I try really hard to get to the next second of this podcast, when I get there, I am not in the future any longer. It's just another now moment. However, once again, we can do an imagination activity called anticipating. And I can anticipate the end of this podcast. I can anticipate the end of my day or the end of the week, the end of the month, or even 2020, the end of the year, right? Um, That might actually give us a little relief thinking about that. But for the most part, if you continuously worry about the future, like what's going to happen tomorrow? Am I going to get in trouble? Is he going to write me up? Are we going to argue? What's, you know, going to happen to me? All that anticipation is um, going to give you anxiety, right? The mind, once again, is wired to say you're in the wrong moment. Anxiety isn't a punishment. It's a gentle nudge to say, you know, why don't you go back to the now moment? Stay in the right now, because if you keep doing the what if, what if, what if, and what's going to happen drill in your mind, anxiety is born there. So that's a pretty unwise thing to do, to be constantly living in future thought. So you have to come back to what does exist. And what exists is the right now moment. And people will ask me, how do you get happy, Sarah? And I'll remind them, well, whatever you do right now is exactly what you're going to be. So if you do miserable things, you'll be a miserable person. If you do happy things, then you'll be a happy person. And that's what the present moment is. It's a wise state of mind. And so why do we have the past or future at all then? Why do we have to have this remembering and anticipating? Why do we have to have depression or anxiety type symptoms? And it the truth is, is it's just survival of the fittest stuff. So let's say I burn my hand on a hot stove and I remember that What that helps me do is anticipate the danger, right? So I can say, oh, last time I was on a stove, I burnt my hand. So I should be careful in this right now moment, right? So they're almost like the bumpers in the bowling alley. Uh, Those remembering and anticipating thoughts are just there to help you navigate right now moments. But once again, we have an alarm system called depression or anxiety to say, hey, man, you're, you're spending too much time in one of these time, zone, time zones. You have to get back to the present moment. And so this is my beginning and introductory thought to what we're going to be talking about as far as how do you cope and how do we deal with being a human being that must be mindful in order to become more comfortable, right? Because pain is inevitable, but suffering is an option on this earth, which I will be talking about the dynamics of pain and suffering and the inner dialogue on the next podcast. So I hope that this was helpful in just beginning, like I said, that introductory thought to what is mindfulness. And I want to thank you so much for listening to First Responder Psychological Support. And again, my name is Sarah Gura. I'm a licensed clinical professional counselor for first responders at the Self-Care Path in Burr Ridge. And I'm going to encourage everyone to do life so it doesn't do you and to take good care and to stay very safe. All right. 
Everyone have a great day. Bye-bye.